This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? Today, we're going to go back and we're going to revisit every young boy's childhood dream to be a police officer. We're going to go back, we're going to enroll in the academy, we're going to go through the training classes, we're going to learn to drive a car, we're going to learn to shoot a gun, we're going to learn to arrest people. 1984's Police Academy is the subject today, so get yourself ready, get ready to do some push-ups and some running and some shooting, and here we go. Is that movie still good? Welcome back, friends. This is Is That Movie Still Good? We have been gone for a little while in the midst of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. We have been isolated, distancing, uh, but we are back. We are outdoors recording today, so if you hear a lawnmower or some birds or um, you police, know, uh, police, gunfire. Po- police gunfire, just know that we are <laughs> outside at Nate's house uh, just doing a little recording uh, on the patio so that we can socially distance but still um, have a little fun and create a little content. Um, so, and, you know, we decided to do Police Academy. We wanted to do um, an 80s comedy, a silly one. Uh, so that's what we're going to do, a little levity. And this one goes out to all our first responders out there. Excellent. Good work, people. We're praying for you. Yeah. All right, so Police Academy, Jim. Jim, this one came out when we were 11 years old or so. I'm assuming uh, it was not one you saw in the theaters. Correct. Me neither. This was definitely an HBO, watching with my parents, put your hand over your eyes every now and again type movie. Yes. Um, kind of in the vein of like a Porky's. Yep. You know, some of those kind of other kind of, uh, I don't know what you would call them, kind of hijink comedies with a lot of vulgarity and, you know, brief nudity and kind of fun stuff like that. that That's we right. Saw, we saw a lot of in the, in the early 80s. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, and now, now this one, though, um, was directed by a guy named Hugh Wilson. Yes. Hugh Wilson, who uh, you know what he was best known for, don't you? He was one of the creators and maybe the key creator of WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he was involved in that, for sure. One yes. of the greatest sitcoms of our childhood. Even though, I, of course, I'm biased, being from Southern Ohio. Right. But I think still one of the greatest sitcoms. And Bailey, if you remember Bailey from the show, not yes. Bonnie Anderson's character, but the other female, mm-hmm. she's like a news anchor or right. something like that's that. Right, that's right, that's right. It was actually based on Hugh Wilson, the director of Police Academy's wife. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind cool. of, yeah, that, that's kind of a, a kind of little backstory there on the director. And actually, um, the idea for this movie, um, I forget what, uh, one of the producers or somebody that ended up being involved in it was at the set of the filming of another movie, I forget which one it was. Yeah, it was the right stuff. Uh, they oh yeah, were, it was. They were the, the right stuff was being filmed, and um, so this was in San Francisco where the filming was going on. And he saw this uh, group of uh, people get off the bus, and he kind of was like, "What in the heck?" They, they were there to do crowd control, and basically it was kind of the, the same deal. They had an equal opportunity hiring uh, policy for. Um, the San Francisco Police Department at the time, they took anybody that wanted to be a recruit, and they had all these recruits get off. And um, Hugh Wilson asked and said, what the hell's going on here? And they said, well, we have this equal opportunity thing, but uh, we, we can flunk them out after two weeks. And he thought, well, what if they don't want to flunk out, right? Yeah. And so, and, but he was stunned by how inept they were at crowd control. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and he was like, hey, there's got to be a story behind this. So that's, yes. so that's how he kind of came up with the, uh, the movie. Now, one of the things, and I know I, I just mentioned a moment ago about like, you know, a lot of the movies being kind of overly vulgar, overly sexualized, the comedies back then. Hugh Wilson actually, though, really wanted to tone that down. He, he, and, and you still have it in Police Academy, but it's not as bad as some of the other ones. Right. And he actually made some deliberate cuts and script changes and things like that because he didn't want it to be all TNA. Right. He, you know how long this, the original script of this movie was? No, I don't. Over two and a half hours. It's long as it's like Gandhi. Dan- it's like Dances with Wolves. Yes. <laughs> can you imagine two no. and a half hours? Of, well, well, no, actually, I can't imagine two and a half hours of Police Academy because when you think about it, they've made what? How many? Nine? Seven. Se- seven? Well, seven fi- feature films. Seven feature films. I think another one is actually in the works. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have 10 plus hours of Police Academy That's content unbelievable. on the record. That is unbelievable. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like it's like the, the Star Wars yeah. you know, or, or Aliens <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Hugh Wilson did some, you know, he did a lot of movies. Not, not a lot of them were great. Um, he uh, did... Like you said, WKRP, he did uh, Dudley Do-Right, Guarding Tess, First Wives Club, Blast from the Past. Um, so he did a lot of movies. And the reason he uh, uh, did this one, he, he was actually 
one of the directors who was considered to, to do Amadeus and uh, didn't end up doing that, so we did this one. Yeah, and, you know, he did have a good writing team. He brought in uh, Neil, Neil Israel, mm-hmm. I imagine how you pronounce it, and Pat Prophet. And Israel and Prophet worked together as uh, screenplay writers on Bachelor Party, Moving Violations, Real Genius. I mean, some of the top comedies of that, that era. Right. And so, you know, it was, a you know, between, you know, Wilson's, sitcom background and these guys writing movies i mean it really kind of did have a pretty good infrastructure mm-hmm. behind it yeah that's right and and this was a uh, depending upon what um you know source you look at this was either the number five or six grossing film in 1984 um but it was the number one movie in west germany in 1984 so the west germans love hasselhoff and police academy mm, you surprised not at all <laughs> Not at all. No surprises there. Well, and I think that might have been the genesis of us, why we ended up doing Police Academy, because I forget which movie it was, and this was earlier in this in season two. Uh, we were doing a movie from 1984, and we mm-hmm. listed the top grossing movies, and, and we got to Police Academy, and we were like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Police Academy was a six-grossing movie that year? Um, but, I mean, it made almost $150 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um and they spent less than five million on it. They shot it in like forty days. I mean, this was a. I mean, what was the, this? Doesn't rival. What, what was our big one? Uh, Halloween. Halloween was our biggest was the big one. one. So I don't yeah. think it rivals Halloween. But this might be the second, you know, return on event highest ROI that we've seen on a movie we've done yet. That's correct. Uh, especially when you think about the franchise, and it did open number one the weekend that it opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, there was. I mean, I I do remember a lot about the movie, just the popularity of it. Um, now. When we decided to do it, when was the last time you watched it? It's definitely uh, 25 years at least. Yeah, it's been a while. Now, it is on Netflix, or at least it, it, it was mm-hmm. recently. So if you're if you're bored at home and, and looking for something to do. Yeah, um, we didn't pay for this. No, no not at all. Um, this was a freebie. This one's on the house. Um, but uh, you, you might be able to catch it. And, and actually on um, Amazon Prime um, – I don't. I mean, it might be a buck ninety nine or something. You can see all of them. Yeah. I mean, you can just have an all day police academy film festival. All right. So um, the dog is out. So once again, if you hear any uh, noises in the background, if a crazy squirrel runs by, you might hear some barking. Just bear with us as we're you know navigating uh, these new uncharted waters. That's exactly right. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about that. Uh, there, there being you can watch all of them. One of the things that I, that I was reading, one of the trivial things about this. Uh, Steve Gutenberg said when, that when he met Bill Clinton, uh, Clinton said it was one of his favorite movies. And in fact, he and Chelsea watched six movies back to back to back. And uh, he said uh, that was when Hillary really kind of questioned uh, me as a parent when I did that. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's solid. I, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, I wish my daughter would sit down and watch six Seriously. movies in a row with me. I can't, I can't get her to watch one half the time. Uh, but, you know, I think everybody, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, sorry, some spoilers are coming, but, you know, the movie came out 30 years, 30 plus years ago. Uh, so you, if you haven't seen it, too bad. But, you know, the whole premise, kind of what Jim Jim talked about is, uh, now this one's actually in L.A., right? They never tell you the city. Oh, they never tell you the city. So it's in Louisville, Kentucky. Right, true. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> in Louisville, Kentucky then. We're just going to say that for, for now. So this all happened in Louisville. Uh, but basically, the uh, the mayor comes out with a new policy that you know accepts any recruit to be a police officer because there's a police officer shortage and a massive crime wave. In a massive crime wave because it is the '80s and you know it was a lot of crime going on back. Uh, yeah, in the, 80s. The, the, the the streets were meaner back then. The cities were a little scarier. A little tougher. A little tougher. Um, uh, but uh, then we are introduced to Steve Gutman. Gutenberg, Steve Gutenberg, yeah, yeah. Gutenberg, 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 I, I, Gutenberg, did, I think. Did they yeah. name the museum after him in New yes, York? Correct. Okay. <laughs> the Steve Gutenberg Museum. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, he now was he a star yet? Was he known? I don't think so. I, when I was looking at it, he this was probably his big break, and uh, I, I think it probably is that T-shirt that he wore, one in the oven. Yeah, that, that's yeah. probably what what launched him. But uh, I would love to find that T-shirt. Me too. He got to keep that actually. After, oh for, really? Yeah. After the movie, he says he got to keep that. Now, okay, so I, I'm just gonna say this, and you know, I, you. Know, Hopefully it's not interpreted the wrong way, but he was like shredded in this movie. He was pretty ripped. Yeah, I was right. like, I was like, dude, you were you on roids? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was like, you're, I kind of always remembered him as kind of like a skinny type guy. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, he, he's been working out. But um, now he had been in Diner before this. Uh-huh. Did you ever? Have you ever seen? Never Diner? seen it. No. Oh, Di- Diner's probably one of my favorite movies. Really? It's, it's him, Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who was the Mad About You guy? A Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. And it has an absolute fantastic scene when they're in a movie theater, mm-hmm. and but I think it's Kevin Bacon. But don't hold me that. Oh, and um, oh, who's the guy that was it? 
Mickey Rourke, who's oh yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, he's yeah. in it too. Um, so really good cast for mm-hmm. that for that time. But there's like a scene where um, somebody's on a date and. Let's just say he takes his uh, member mm-hmm. and puts it up through the popcorn uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. bucket. Yeah. So as the yeah. girl's reaching down and eating the popcorn, mm-hmm. she she eventually uh, finds gets uh, a little surprise. Gets a little surprise. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, re- uh, I digress. But that's a good movie if you haven't seen it, Diner. Yeah, and so he did. You know, he did this one. This kind of got him off to to his his big start and and sort of stardom. And then he was in some you know movies that were. Maybe not necessarily critically acclaimed, but made a lot of money. Uh, the Three Men and a Baby series, Short Circuit, uh, Cocoon, which yeah. was critically acclaimed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he had a good little run because, I mean, this came out in 84, Cocoon was 85, Short Circuit 86, Three Men and a Baby started in 87. And then he did what? Maybe three or four of the Police Academy sequels. Yeah. yeah. And Three Men and a Baby had one or two sequels. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what I remember most about Three Men and a Baby? What's that? Is John Travolta? <laughs> Wasn't he in it? Uh, Wasn't it him, Ted Danson? No, no, it was Tom Selleck. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jim, you're right. It was Tom Selleck. I was thinking of uh, Look Who's Talking. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those other great mm-hmm. 80s uh, movies. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, he did host, uh, Gutenberg actually hosted the 91 Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much after that. I don't know either. <laughs> you know, one of the things that the, in this era, I really had a hard time because I confused Steve Gutenberg and Howie Mandel, and I still do a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, a little. Well, Even though they don't really look anything alike now, but I kind of had them. Then. then they did. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of see that. Now, I think the most fascinating thing about Steve Gutenberg is one of his first acting jobs ever was he was in a KFC Kentucky Fried Chicken oh, yeah. commercial that actually had the Colonel in it. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that actually right. had Colonel Sanders in it. <laughs> Shout yes. out to yes. Harlan. Yes, exactly. So, so he was in it, and I mean, I think, you know. I think he did a really good job, to be honest with you, in the movie. Given the, you know, material to work with. Yeah. He's, and he's, he, he is really good. He's this kind of frat boy kind of guy, party guy, prankster. Um, really just, you know, he, he doesn't want to be in the police academy. He wants to get kicked out um, because, you know, he's, he's there kind of to, to keep him from going to jail, basically. Yeah, yeah. So his, his character's name is Kerry Mahoney. Mm-hmm. So obviously his dad was a cop, mm-hmm. you know, because his last name was Mahoney, of course. Right, right. Uh, even if <laughs> probably in Boston, Bo- Irish, he was probably from Boston. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but so he gets into some legal troubles, and Captain Reed, um, who's played by Ted Ross, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ted Ross, he was actually in Fisher King. Oh yeah, that yeah. we did, and uh, and he also won a Tony Award for um, playing the Lion in The Wiz. Oh really? In okay. the movie, well, he won the Tony Award for Broadway, but he also played the Lion in in, in um. Uh, the movie as well. But anyway, so Captain Reed knows uh, Carrie's dad, and he gives him the option, like you said, either join the police academy or you're going to go to jail. And Carrie immediately thinks, hey, I'll join the police academy. Yeah. I'll get kicked no, out. No big deal. A win-win for me. Right, right. And that's not what happens. <laughs> no. Not what happens at all. Yeah, So he's in, and so it's like a 16-week course, and, and the, the deal is the— his father has gotten with the commandant, and they 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 want to keep him in there. They want him to complete this course. Yeah, and, and so when we're first introduced to the police academy, all the kind of misfits are showing up, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of you get this kind of I don't know if you want to call it a montage, but you get kind of this maybe five or ten minute uh, thing where all these characters that are about to join the police academy it gives you a little background. Yeah. So you yeah, have yeah. like the kind of accountant nerdy guy that keeps like hitting his wife with the car door. <laughs> that's, that's, it's so dumb. That's, <laughs> It is dumb, but I love that scene. Oh, it was great. Um, and, like, she's hanging on top of the... Yeah, she's, like, she's like running. She's, like, chasing him down through the neighborhood and doing, like, cartwheels over the fence and, like, swimming through pools. Hanging on the hood of the car, like, just because she doesn't want him to be a police officer because it's so dangerous. Yeah, and then there are a couple other ones where just, you know, they're, they're bad. I forget what the other ones were. That, oh, Kim Cattrall's character. Yeah. She's, like, a debutante or, like, and her mom's like, why would you ever want to join the police academy? Right. And, um, so you kind of get these little background snippets, and and uh, you get um, uh, uh, Leslie Barbara it was the the guy who was working in a, uh, a photo mat shop. Oh like, yeah, little, yeah, the heavy set guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, 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 and and this is how bad crime was back then. Yeah, is that these truck full of hooligans like go up to the little and it's so what's so funny is I was talking to Jill like a couple weeks ago about asking her if she remembered the old drive-through places where yeah. you dropped the film off and she mm-hmm. couldn't remember it right. And I mean, I remember them even in Louisville when mm-hmm. we first moved here 20 years ago. But just a box in a parking lot where right. you just drop your film off. Yeah, and and so these hooligans like somehow like steal that and go dump it in the river, in the river? and it's yeah. down the river. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, uh, and then what's his name? Tackleberry. Tackleberry. Yeah. Yeah. Tackle- 
Oh, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, so it, it's really fun kind of way to get introduced to all these characters in, a, in kind of a quick and light way. Yeah. Um, but then they go up into the office of the police academy, and in the office is the, the, the chief of police, um, the... Uh, the commandant, Commandant Lassard. Yep, who's kind of a kind of an airhead Leslie Nielsen type character. Yeah, so yeah, that's a, we'll get into that. That's George Gaines, and uh, he plays. He, he, you've seen him in a, in a million things. Uh, most notably, this one. Uh, he was the he was in Punky Brewster. He's that guy. He was in Tootsie. Um, he was in The Crucible, Wag the Dog, Mickey and Maud. Had a really long acting career, but he plays this guy who is just this sort of uh, like you said, kind of a. a, a bumbling kind of guy and his character was actually um kind of formed off of the uh characters from airplane who were played by you know lloyd bridges and uh leslie nielsen so that same kind of a a kind of kind of goofball in charge right exactly and 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 he's great and i think he does a fantastic job yeah um but he's there and then i forget the character's name but kind of the the head the person that's in charge of actually training the cadets yeah that's lieutenant harris yeah played by gw bailey that's right lieutenant harris And, and basically the chief of police is really upset about the the mayor's plan he doesn't want these cadets now now i i will warn you if you've never seen this movie before or if you haven't seen it in a long time um remember when this movie was made a lot of things were different then and fortunately you know a lot of things have changed but there are a lot of ethnic stereotypes yeah it's racial misogynistic slurs it it wouldn't play you could just couldn't do it you couldn't do it now and so prepare yourself for that you might want to you know put on an extra layer of uh, sensitivity skin, but uh, extra PPE, extra PPE. Um, but uh, just know that if you haven't seen it before, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it is still kind of funny, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but so they're all arguing, and basically, they're like, We don't want any, we don't want any of these people to graduate, mm-hmm. we you know, we want to get them all kicked out, or or then they come up with a decision that they're not going to kick them out. They're going to make them find a way to quit. quit. Yeah. yeah, make them find a way to quit. That's right. Make them miserable. And, and Harris then po- appoints two cadets to be kind of the the team leaders or, or whatever you want to call them, yeah. squad Ch- leaders. Chad and Kyle. Chad and Kyle, of course. Of course. Was that really their names in the movie? Yeah, Chad and Kyle. Of course. <laughs> well, well, it might have been where it all started. Right, maybe. Because <laughs> these are the, yeah. Um, but, uh, and these guys are, you know, your normal, like, gung-ho you know, they 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 were first thing they do is run up to the police chief and introduce themselves, and he pretty much tells them to bang off. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, they're just you know, you know, licking boots, you know, brown nosing, and I, I I love the scene where they uh, get their hair cut. Oh yeah. Oh, because okay. So this is uh, I think when when they're all checking in, I forget the guy's name, but the Italian lover guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that rolls in with like a, a convertible full, full of, of like, ladies, ladies and. Uh, Steve Gutenberg comes up to him and says something. He's like, oh, they're all my girlfriends. Yeah. And I won't even try to do the accent. But he goes to get a haircut, and um, the other two guys, Kyle and Chad, go in, and they, they think they have to get buzz cuts. Mm-hmm. So they get buzz cuts, and then uh, the Italian guy sits down. He's like, just take a little bit off here and there. And they're like, what, we don't have to get buzz cuts? Yeah. And the barber's like, this is the army. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's one of the better scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but I, I don't know uh, whatever happened to, to anybody that, in those scenes that I just talked about as far as their future acting career. I don't know either. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, or how many of them that uh, that that uh, ended up in the next ones. But now there are, you know, Kim Cattrall's in this, right? And this is probably well, she was in Porky's too in '82. Yes, so she was kind mm-hmm. of a part of this kind of '80s comedy thing, and. And, of course, she went on to eventually be one of the big stars in Sex and the City. Sex and the City. She has a Golden Globe from that role. Yeah, and she was in Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah, Mannequin, Big Big Trouble in Little China, Turk 182. She she had a nice career, but really um, her calling card, of course, is Sex and the City. So, I mean, and I, I, not that I watched a lot of Sex and the City, but I watched enough of it, and I've seen her on other things. I mean, I mean, I, I, I think her career... Kind of obviously, she's had a good, long, successful career as far as work and probably money as well. Well, definitely money because of her stake in Sex and the City. Sure, but I think she's kind of always been kind of in the same kind of swim lane as a character. I agree. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, and that's not bad. But uh, I mean, if you can make a, a 30, 40 year acting career, sure, I would take it. Absolutely. So next up, uh, the whole you know kind of police academy training starts happening. Right. Right. And basically, uh, Lassard. The mm-hmm. commandant wants everybody to be successful, right? But we eventually, we essentially, what starts happening is um, 
Mahoney starts pu- pulling all these pranks to try mm-hmm. to get kicked out. Mm-hmm. And, and we start to see him interact with the other cadets, and we sort of start to see all of their personalities and kind of where they're coming from and what they're doing. And, uh, you know, one of his his buddies that's in this is um, is Larvell Jones, Reverend Larvell Jones, and who he meets when he's arrested. And that's played by Michael Winslow, who is the guy who has done uh, – had a whole career of sound effect uh, comedy. Uh, you know, he was a stand-up comedian doing sound effect stuff, and then he got in this. And, and so he's had a ton of roles doing, you know, all of these weird um, voice sound effects that you can do. He was in Spaceballs and Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams and just a whole bunch of movies Gremlins. like that. Gremlins. Gremlins, yeah, his voice of Gremlins. Larvell Jones is his, his confidant. Like, that's the one who, who knows what's up and what's what. Well, and the funny thing is, is that character really wasn't in the original screenplay. Yeah. But either either Hugh Wilson or somebody else involved in the production saw him do stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and was like, ooh, we need this in the movie and wrote him into the script. And that, that's how he ended up getting added. And it's funny because we were watching um, uh, Eddie Murphy Delirious last night, and it's been a while since I've watched it, but yeah. you know Eddie Murphy, I forgot how many voices he does. Right, right. And I was sitting there thinking, knowing that we were going to do this podcast today, and I was like... You know, obviously that's all around like the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like, what came first? Did Murphy steal from Winslow or did yeah. Winslow steal from Murphy? Good question. Who knows? I don't think we'll ever know. And Michael Winslow, um, he said he he said George Gaines, he, he credits him as a mentor in acting and said he was his best friend in the acting business. Really? Did you know that? Yeah. yeah no, no idea. And and uh, so Michael Winslow, um, Larvell Jones, was one of three characters who were in all of the feature films. Do you know the other two? Probably Lieutenant Harris. No. He was not. He was not. Um, I don't. Commandant Lassard, George Gaines. Oh, okay. And Tackleberry. Oh, ta- I love the Tackleberry character because yeah. I mean, didn't you go to high school with a guy like him? Uh, yes. In college, and yes. did you have like jobs with people and, like yes. him? Yes, and, and you probably have one on the street, you know, living down the road from you. Like you know these guys. Oh, it's just great, uh, and, and, and it's so funny. I mean, just like. How excited he is to get his gun, and when, when he unpacks, he's like just. And he was uh, Mahoney's roommate, wasn't he? Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like when they're out at the shooting range, and they're all using their you know government issued firearm, and he pulls out this hand cannon, and it's, just... <laughs> it's like a like Dirty Harry Magnum, yeah, yeah. or something like that. Um, but then, and then when they're doing the drill where they they have the shotgun and they're like kind of going through the house and the little pop up yeah, yeah, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like running behind him and shooting <laughs> him in the back. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed his character. He was he he was kind of like um, Dwight Schrute with weapons, you know. Yeah. Like, he was that kind of character, but with a with very, very well armed. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and then of course we have Bubba Smith in this movie yes. too. Bubba Smith um, played for the Colts, Raiders, and the Houston Oilers. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, former football player, um, one of the most popular characters in this in this movie and series, um, uh, the great scene where he flips over the car. And, yeah. And you know he did that in another movie too, right? No. Stroker Ace. He oh, did that yeah, in Stroker yeah, Ace yeah. too. Yeah. But, well, and he, he – you know, one thing I didn't realize – now, I knew he had a great college career at Michigan State. He's a Big Ten guy. Yeah. Um, and he's in the College Football Hall of Fame, but he's not in the NFL Hall of Fame. Right. And I think it's one of those that if you ask somebody, they would probably say yeah because they know him from the movies too. But he really, yeah, he, yeah, I think he, I think he told me he kind of had maybe a shorter career. He, he did not have like a real that. long, long uh, football career. Like I, I, he, I think you people think he's a better football player or, or more. Uh, had a more impactful career just because he was a, a movie star too. Yeah. Like because we were talking about this before we we started the podcast. This was kind of at the time when you saw a lot of athletes going into film, um, and you know you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jim Brown, and both of those guys are arguably the best player ever in the history of their sport. Yeah. So Bubba Smith must have been awesome. He must have been great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, but uh, he yeah yeah and he and he has a good role. And I forget. Um, Oh, who who was the girl with the real quiet voice? Okay, so that is um, her name is uh, Laverne Hooks, uh, played yeah. by Marion Ramsey, and I looked at her filmography, and she just has a whole bunch of bad stuff. Um, <laughs> there's just not much going on there. A lot of bad TV, and you know, made a career like there's a, she's got a long IMDb profile, but just not much. But, she, but a real timid uh, lady, and and. You know, a good character for 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 what this movie is. No, no. So, is it safe to say? And this is this is a kind of a very you know um, you know big character, you know, big cast of characters in this it movie. Is, it is. You know, that really, other than maybe Gutenberg and Kim Cattrall, that this was the pinnacle of pretty much every other actor's. I think that's career. probably right. You... Yeah. 
they all like have like police academy memorabilia like hanging around and hanging up in their office. They, they should. <laughs> I mean, uh, now um, Roger Ebert, you know, famed famed critic. I'm glad I'm glad you got this, but I got this too. <laughs> well, uh, you go ahead and take this one then. So Roger Ebert, uh, when he reviewed this movie, um, he has in the past given movies zero stars, zero thumbs up, like a zero star movie. But generally, he's reserved that for movies that he finds to be depraved or excessively violent and vulgar for no good reason. Like Caligula was a zero-star movie for him. This was the first kind of mainstream movie that didn't have, you know, an over-the-top sexual vibe or, you know, some, some sort of crazy thing like that. That he actually gave zero stars. Zero stars. And he, in his review, I read the review, he um, likened it to Airplane, which he loved, and talked about how creative and satirical Airplane was. But this one, he said, I really have no idea what they were trying to satirize. And uh, he, he gave it a zero star review. Yeah, zero out of four. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but we'll, we'll hit that up at, uh, at the end at yeah. the end, uh, normal time. Now, I'm sure you saw some of this, too. We, you talked about Bill Clinton being a big fan of the series, but we, you know, uh, Michael Keaton was actually supposed to star, mm-hmm. and he had scheduling issues. Producers wanted Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. who was, you know, we talked about Hanks him, at this point this in his was, career. I mean, Splash and, you know, right. his, 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 coming, you know, coming up, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Bruce Willis auditioned and wanted it, but didn't get the role because nobody knew who he was, mm-hmm. because this was even before Moonlight. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty crazy to think about. Right, right. Um, so it was, all, it was Gutenberg's to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, he did what he did with it, but uh, but you know, Gutenberg's character Mahoney, he's trying all these pranks. Like during during the drills, he does the old uh, shoe polish on the bullhorn mm-hmm. prank. Um, he does something. Oh, okay. So this this actually is like kind of one of the things that I re- really like remember uh, uh, specifically about this movie, even twenty five years later when I saw it again. So basically, it's coming up on kind of an R and R weekend mm-hmm. for for the police oh, yeah. academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Lieutenant Harris goes to 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 Kyle and Chad, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, the cadets always have a party on their free weekend. Mm-hmm. Find out where the party's at." Yes. And so, of course, you know, of course, you know that Mahoney's going to be in charge of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know that's good, how this is going down. So, but they don't want to go to Mahoney because that's too obvious, right? So they go to the what's his name again? The um, Leslie Barbara. Leslie Barbara, who's who we found out during his like intro thing too. He's also a big mama's boy. Yes, also yes. a big mama's boy. Um, and they go to him and they say, "Hey, Leslie, you know where's the party at?" this weekend and leslie's like well i'm i'm going home to see my mom i'm, I'm not going to any party and they're like we'll find out first leslie and they actually like kind of he was in his room study or in mm-hmm. a classroom studying and they throw his book out the window and kind of strong arm they him. try to throw the book out the window but <laughs> the window's closed <laughs> the window was closed yeah because because you know which one was kyle and which one was Chad? i don't remember because one of them was actually kind of you know they were both jerks but one of them was kind of like legitimately like at least semi-intelligent. Right. The other guy was just a buffoon. Yes. <laughs> like a cartoonish buffoon. Yes. Um, which kind of I thought was kind of funny, too. But, um, so then Leslie goes to Mahoney mm-hmm. and says, hey, where's the party? Where's the party? And Mahoney's like, oh, you're, I know you're going to come. And he's like, oh, I'm not. And why is Mahoney's on to it already? Mm-hmm. And so he tells them, oh, the party's at the Blue, Blue Oyster Blue Bar. Blue Oyster Bar. There are two scenes in this movie that I very vividly remember because we talked about them all the time. And this is one of them. The Blue Oyster Bar. Yep. So Leslie tells Kyle and Chad, Blue Oyster Bar. So that's where they go. Go ahead. That's where they go to the old Blue Oyster Bar. And 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 if you if you haven't you know seen this movie in a while, I think you're you're probably remembering it because as Jim mentioned, this is a, a standout scene. And they get to the Blue Oyster Bar, and it is a good old fashioned leather clad gay bar. It's a gay biker bar. Is what gay it is. biker bar, kind of like if you ever watch Sopranos, the mm-hmm. one that uh, what's his face got caught in. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. And as soon as uh, Kyle and Chad walk in, they're kind of immediately um, overtaken by the men and forced to dance and <laughs> slow dance. And you would have thought at some point that you could have just walked out walked and laughed. Out, but, but they stick around. They, they stick, stick around. around yeah, they, and, it, and it's just kind of like a, a, I don't th- a pretty I, funny scene. I don't think they hated it. <laughs> yeah, no, they seem to be enjoying themselves. <laughs> I mean, nobody was forcing them to stay. Yeah, no. Yeah. So the Blue Oyster Bar, I looked this up because I wanted to know, like, what was like, is this place real? And it's not, but it is uh, based on, or maybe they, 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 a bar in Toronto called the Silver Dollar Room. So, if you're wanting your Blue Oyster Bar experience and you're in Toronto, 
uh, Silver Dollar Room. Check it out. But the the Blue Oyster Bar was like this total, like as a kid growing up joke or whatever, be like, oh, you're going to go to the Blue Oyster Bar tonight? You know, right, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I remember that totally. And I don't know if it was like the neon sign. Mm-hmm. And it was just it's something that kind of stuck, you know, s- stuck in everybody's head. Do you think Blue Oyster Colt was, is mad about that? I think Blue Oyster Cult will take any uh, notoriety they can get. All right, probably right. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no bad thing as a uh, what's uh, no such thing as bad publicity. No such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, I think but I, but I did wonder. I actually looked that up. Like I wondered if the, if the Blue Oyster Cult um, uh, band had any you know uh, gay references or if there was something about that that made them them weave that in. But there was not. I, I don't know why they chose Blue Oyster. There's, I'm sure there's a Don't Fear the Reaper joke in there somewhere. Maybe, but, maybe but so. We'll, we'll we'll move on from that. Now, so so you know. Kyle and uh, Chad, they go back and report back to Lieutenant Harris. And, um, you know, obviously they're, you know, being able to bust the party didn't work. Now, they did end up having a party. They did have a party. And this is when Mahoney and Cottrell's character kind of start. Mahoney has been trying to um, get her attention and trying to get her to be interested in him because he, she's very attractive. He's very interested in her, but she's been sort of blowing him off. But this is where she sort of sort of starts to like, okay, you're not so bad. I, I might have a little thing for you. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a couple other things in this that are funny. Um, number one is Tackleberry playing the saxophone. Yeah, and, and David Graff, who plays him, was actually a, a, a talented musician and an accomplished musician, although he did not actually play sax in that, that. But the other thing is, like, there's this thing. They're they're like at a beach bonfire sort of situation, and there's this moment in the party. And I've never been to a party like this. Maybe you have, where everybody's dancing, and it's kind of like a conga line, but not really a conga line. And all of a sudden, the ladies all just start dancing by the bonfire, and as they pass the bonfire, they pull off their shirts, and it's just boobs everywhere. Have you been to that party? I've not been to that party. I've never been to that party. The closest thing I've been is Bourbon Street. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's about that's the closest I've been to that party. Um, yeah, uh, that, no, never never been there. I, I, and it was funny because when I was watching that, I, this is one of the rare movies just because of everything going on uh, right now where I actually did all my research. I usually do my research as I'm watching the movie. Um, I actually did all my research one day and watched the movie a few days later. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew what was coming, even though I hadn't seen it in a yeah, while. Yeah. And this was one of those scenes where I, you know, what I mentioned earlier about um, Hugh Wilson not wanting it to be as sexualized as some of the other comedies. And I'm going, how bad was this movie going to be? Right. <laughs> in the next scene that's coming up, even questions that even more. Yeah. Because, of course, what happens next is after the whole party scene, um, Kyle and Chad. Um, they want to get some revenge on Mahoney for sending him to the Blue Oyster Cult. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they hire a prostitute to be in Mahoney's uh, room as they're doing uh, room checks. Right, right. And just coincidentally, at the same time, Lassard, Commandant Lassard, is giving a tour and is getting ready to give a speech to, I don't know who these people were, yeah, I, press I, or I, what. They're um, some, some visiting... Um police uh, lieutenants or, or police chiefs that are there, and he's going to give this speech. And so Mahoney gets wise to what's going on with the, the prostitute, and he spirits her away, and they, they get out of there. And uh, so he says, no, you know, this isn't what you're supposed to do. We're going to do this. And this is the other scene that I remember vividly from, uh, you know, childhood and watching this. So they they are under, they are both underneath the podium where – Commandant Lassard is Because they had speaking. to run and they were hiding. Yes, yes. Yeah. They're hiding under the podium. Nobody sees them. But there's a little um, a veil, a drape in the podium. Yeah. It's not a solid wood podium. And so as he is giving his speech, you hear his zipper being unzipped. And then he's, uh, you know, he's having a good speech. Yeah, yeah. and he even admits how good the speech is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's kind of uh, having to kind of slow it down a little bit and... Um, yeah, I, I remember this scene too. And it's, it's funny because I, I think back, like if, you know, watching this movie as like a 12 or 13 year old, especially with my parents, you know, what were my parents thinking when this scene right, was going right. on? Were they going, oh, they don't know what's going on. And we knew what was going on. Right, right. <laughs> of, know, course, totally. of course. Of course. Um, and, and the funny thing about that is, is, uh, Lassard doesn't know who's under there. And, and so after the speech is over and. Um, he is walking off the stage and he turns around and at this point Mahoney sticks his head out from under the podium and just kind of waves at him and it, Lassard is just floored by this like he is like wait what just happened yeah. wait 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 yeah exactly does, does this make me gay <laughs> I don't know um, but uh, yeah it, 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 it's, it's one of those scenes that like you said it's, it's, it kind of stick, really sticks with you um, and, it, and this is one of the things about this movie is this movie just moves from kind of like it's almost and, and it was actually 
produced and written this way where it was kind of almost like you know a series of kind of sketches a mm-hmm. series of bits there yeah. wasn't kind of an overarching other than the whole police academy thing there were uh, you know probably the only overarching plot line was mahoney wanting to get kicked out but really it was made up of like six or seven little kind of like vignettes of of stories that kind of were seen together for the overall movie yeah it's basically you have a lot of the movie on the front side where you're introduced to all the characters and all of you know their ridiculousness then you have you know kind of act 2 where they're all in the academy together and you see all of the shenanigans un- unfold and then the final thing is you know they end up uh, you know helping save the day at the end yeah well and oh, you know who we haven't talked about yet is uh, lieutenant harris's assistant or the second in command what was her the blonde lady oh yeah 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 i, um, I didn't write her name down cuz i never heard of her before <laughs> right right but I, right yeah. but um you know and she's you'll remember she um, was um you know well-endowed bosom, yeah. always in a tight white T-shirt. And they, I remember, was it Callahan? Callahan. Callahan. Yeah, Callahan. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was kind of a reference to Dirty Harry's uh, character. And they have that one scene where they're like in the gym and they're doing like, you know, you know hand-on-hand hand combat. Yeah. And she flips the guy over and like kind of sits like right on his head. Mm-hmm. And like, and she's like... Who's next? And like every guy raises her arm. Yeah. Well, and, and it's such a, such a like campy like eighties like comedy bit. Right. Well, and and the uh, the uh, the Latin lover guy, he's sneaking into the the oh, female yeah. dorm every night and dressed like hooking as a up, woman. Uh, dressed as a woman, like with a bathrobe and a shower cap, and um, so he's doing all of that. And then ultimately one night she catches him and he thinks he's in trouble. Um, and then uh, the next morning he walks out and he's just bedraggled because she's she in had love. She, and she has had her way with him and he, he goes to Gutenberg and he's like do you ever have you ever been in love I think, <laughs> yeah i think i'm in love now um yeah once again some silly stuff so anyway our, our next big so after the whole um you know podium scene and blue oyster our next big scene is um bubba smith's character hightower mm-hmm. uh wakes mahoney up in the middle of the night and he's like i got a problem i need some help and uh he's like what's what's the problem and he's like I've been driven a car since I was twelve, and tomorrow's the driving test. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, it, 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 it. It's not a laugh out loud moment, but when you think about it for a second, it's kind of funny because he's like, "I've been driven a car since I was 12. twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but uh, so they decide to go out and steal a car. They mm-hmm. actually steal either Kyle or, or Chad's car, yeah, one of those yeah. guys' car. So so Mahoney can teach Bubba Smith how to drive, and this is one of those just you know classic like Hollywood complete. BS, but kind of funny scenes where somebody does not know how to do anything at all. Like they don't know how to shoot mm-hmm. a gun, but within ten minutes they're like, you know, hitting bullseye every time or, right. or something like that. Because, um, well, first they had to rip the front seat. Because he's driving this little bitty like subcompact and it, like a it, Chevelle, yeah, or Chevette something or like, that. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so he can't fit in there, so he just rips the seats out and, <laughs> and starts driving. Yeah. And, you know, and it's kind of that <clears throat> kind of stop and go. And then he finally figures out, next thing he knows, they're getting chased by the cops and he's, like, outrunning the cops. Yeah, right, You right, know, right. He, now he's like Mario Andretti. And, um, and, and uh, in this scene, Hugh Wilson's in this scene, too. There's an angry driver in this scene. Oh, really? And that, that's Hugh Wilson because the person who was supposed to be that driver, when they went to, you know, shoot, that – that actor, I don't even know who it was, but he was so drunk, he passed <laughs> out, like they couldn't get him to do it. So Hugh Wilson's like, "Okay, I'll just be this guy in this scene." No, I didn't know that. That's pretty funny. Um, so they, they they eventually get back to the academy, and and the, and the next day is the big driving test, mm-hmm. and so basically, um, oh, um, the girl with the quiet voice—I keep forgetting her name. What's that? Hooks. Yeah, hooks. 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 Yeah, hooks goes first, and. Uh, <laughs> And um, and you know she she she's like driving the car like two miles an hour. Well, first doesn't like doesn't um somebody else go first and like they're just flying all through it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I forget who that was. It was Bubba Wilson, wasn't it? What? Well, well, yeah, yeah. Or, he came or, or in. Bubba Smith. Yeah, or Bubba Smith. Yeah, Hightower, it was. Right? Uh, yeah, Hightower. Yeah. Yeah, he came in and he just destroys the course. And then and then Hooks she uh she drives through the course and she's going like five ten miles an hour and like barely finishes it and then he, you know one of the douchebag guys Chad or Kyle whatever is waiting in line next and as she's pulling in she runs over his feet uh-huh. and she, he calls for a racial slur that I'm not going to repeat it's not the one you're thinking though right, it's right. one you probably haven't heard in 30 <laughs> years and I actually forgot it was a racial slur but I'm still not going to say it and Bubba Smith not happy about it 
And this is what you talked about earlier, where he comes down and he like flips, flips the, the car, car, flips the car yeah. over, yeah. and in turn, uh, Lieutenant Harris kicks Bubba Smith out of the police academy. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a sad time for this 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 recruiting class. Yeah, yeah, it was it was sad. Um, how did you feel about Lieutenant Harris in this film? I, I I will say this about the casting in this movie, and we, you had talked about this before, and I forget which movie, but like kind of where you had a certain role you were looking for, and you weren't going to be able to afford the best actors to play that role, but you somehow found like the the cheap the, version of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of this in that movie, mm-hmm. but I actually think the casting is great. Yeah, I, I think every character like plays their character very very well. Yeah, I I think in watching this movie this time though. Um, I think you're absolutely right, but all Harris does is yell. Like the yelling is well, just the, the, the best part about Harris is he carries around that little the stick, baton, the yeah. baton, and he's always always polishing the knob, always polishing yeah. his knob. That was not actually um, that that prop was not in the original script or whatever, and somebody just gave it to him before you know he was going to go shoot it, and and they they said yeah do it, let's keep it in here, it's good. Yeah. Yep. So uh, anyway, um, Hightower is now kicked out. First yep. person, first casualty. Of the police academy. And he actually wanted to be there. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was one of the people that were actually taking it. Well, most of them were taking it serious, seriously, except, yeah. for, except for Mahoney. So he's going to just, you but, know. Well, well, here's the thing about Mahoney by now is, you know, we mentioned earlier that he's kind of starting to get these feelings for um, Cachell's character. Yeah. At this point, though, you kind of were starting to get this feeling he actually wants to stay because mm-hmm. he's become friends with everybody. He's kind of fallen in love, if you will. I don't even, you know. Um, so he's kind of not wanting to get kicked out now and kind of finish the journey. Right, right. So so uh, Hightower, you know, before he was um, in the police academy, he, he tells us early in the film that his previous occupation was a florist. So he's going to go back to working in a flower shop, right? Exactly, which is which is silly, yeah, silly but fun, silly but fun. Well, and the next scene after this is, I think it's like in the cafeteria, and mm-hmm. once again, here's the next vignette. Yeah, all right, they're they're in the cafeteria, and and Chad and Kyle are saying something, and um, I think Kim Cattrall comes up and like kind of there's like an argument, and she slaps Chad with a with a tray, and a big brawl ensues, mm-hmm. big fight. And next thing you know, you know Mahoney and Chad are called into Lieutenant Harris's office, and Mahoney knows that if he says that Cottrell started the fight, she'll get kicked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though at this point he doesn't want to get kicked out anymore, he actually takes the blame for it, and now Mahoney's kicked out, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so now at this point, we've had two people um, kicked out of the police academy. Then, ironically, a riot breaks out. Correct. <laughs> just, just because. Just because a riot, you know. I mean, this... And, it was bad back then, man. It was. There's just riots all the time. And so they decide that the riot's so bad that they need to call in the police academy to help out. <laughs> of course. Which is kind of funny, too, because you don't see any of the other police anywhere. Right, right. And somehow, so they all board the bus from the police academy to go get the riot gear, to go help out with the riot. And somehow they get their directions mixed up and they end up getting dropped off. Like, and like at first there's like nobody around. Right. And, and then, then all, as they spread out, cause that's what cops do during a riot. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get into groups of one or two and spread out. Right. I'm, I'm being facetious there. Um, they all start running into the different rioters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically, um, Somehow, I don't even know because it's happening so fast. It's such an intense scene um, that, so ridiculous. that all of a sudden uh, the riot goes by like Bubba Smith's florist. Worst, yes. And so he gets involved. Somehow Mahoney gets involved again. Mm-hmm. And there's like a shooter that's trying to like a sniper that's trying. And, and all of a sudden now this is it. I mean, this is like a serious riot because, I mean. It's not just people. At first, it's people going down the street with sticks and stones right, and right. making noise. But then all of a sudden, we get like a shooter. We get like a sniper, you know, out of this rifle, right. out of this riot. And he's got the sniper's got control pinned down. So Mahoney does some type of thing to like go, you know. And, and at the end of the day, Mahoney saves the day with High Tower's help. Basically, all of what Nate just said was a bunch of word soup. And this whole riot situation is absurd, ridiculous. <laughs> In the end, Mahoney and uh, Hightower save the day, and 
they get reinstated into the police force and they get to graduate. They get to graduate and you know they graduate with honors. Honors, yeah, with special honors. And uh, they're asked. Lassar asks them both to give a speech, mm-hmm. and Hightower gets up there and he says like two words and steps back down. Then Mahoney gets up and we get kind of the imp prank. Right. You want to take the imp prank? No, go ahead. You got it. All right. So so Mahoney gets up and of course he's being his normal kind of smart alecky self and all this kind of fun stuff. And then all of a sudden we hear his zipper uh-huh. unzip <laughs> and we know the. The prostitutes back under the lectern, yes. and Mahoney looks over at Lassard, who's like kind of winks at him and laughs, and like he, which doesn't really make much sense because if you go back to the original scene, Lassard thought Mahoney was the person that right. pleasured him, um, so I, it, that didn't really add up in the end. But I, you know, I, 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 I'm not looking for accuracy in this movie <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not looking for consistency. But um, but basically, you know, that's it. That's that's the end of Police Academy One, with many more sequels to come. Yes, many more and. Police Academy 2 was pretty good because yeah. the, you added Bobcat Goldthwait and Tim Kazarinski, and yeah. it's a pretty good one. Yeah. But uh, this is the original, and, and, you know, we're done. Yeah, yeah. So did you know, just a little fun fact, that in um, Madrid, Spain, mm-hmm. um, at the Prado Museum, mm-hmm. that there's actually a Police Academy stunt show? No. Yes. And so if we're ever allowed to travel again, and Spain is on my, my list. Me I too. Would lo- I would love to go to Spain. I, my sister's been. I've never been. Um, I definitely might have to check out the police, the police Academy yeah, show at the Prado, sure. Prado of Museum. Of course. Of course. Um, but uh, another fun fact about this movie is it is, you know, we have our movies that are shown, you know, during the holidays here in America. This movie is regularly played on British TV around Christmas time. It's like one of their holiday entertainment. It's like they're favorites. Home Alone. Yeah, I guess it is. The Christmas story it has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's nothing on to do TV. with Christmas at yeah. all. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, what is the cultural significance of this movie? Because I mean, obviously, you wouldn't make eight of them if there wasn't, or seven or eight of them. Yeah. Well, and you had mentioned earlier that the seven had been made, and I, I had mentioned that eighth one was being talked about, and. Um, and I and I think it might be uh, uh, Keenan and Peel. Oh, oh Keenan Peel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't hold me to that one if I'm wrong, but I think I had read that. That and of course everything's kind of held up right now, so we'll see what comes out of the back end of this. Well, so you know when we talk about movies and we talk about TV shows, there are certain um, occupations and careers that end up being written about acted about because i guess there's more drama that you can throw in there right it's doctors it's lawyers it's police officers um you know a few others but but those are like like really the big genres that that can you know hit a home run a lot and so this was at a time where you know you 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 had these comedies you had spoof comedies satires and so why not work it in with the police officers we've seen so many movies and so much content with police drama whether it's you know training whether it's um you know a hostage situation and so you know culturally it makes perfect sense to make a police satire spoof comedy right and people want it well and you know this is coming off of the dirty harry movies that we talked about earlier um you know you had uh charles bronson was a cop in a bunch of movies i'm I'm not sure maybe nypd blue had started by now Mm, this was before blue was before before blue Blue. but this was a little different because this was actually at the police academy not the actual active right whatever you call it you know the so but but it's still you know within that police genre yeah um now we've talked before about um you know how uh you know top gun created like an uh, an enlistment push mm-hmm. um we talked about how hunt for red october tried to but it didn't but really it didn't work. work out yeah. um do you think police academy um created any type of like uh increased interest <laughs> in joining the uh police force you know it's funny i'll bet the i bet it didn't but if if police academy life was really like that i would go and i've had a couple of people like through the years talk about somebody going to the police academy and going to to join the academy to to become a state trooper or whatever and every single time i just say well tell tackleberry i said hi (laughs) every time because you know there's still tackleberries that you know every every year um yeah actually at the police real police academies there's probably overwhelming numbers of tackleberries yeah yeah and um, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, so um, overall, what do you, what do you think? Um, so I really like talking about this movie more than I actually liked watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I 
I think this might be one where we're, we're we might be a little um, there might be a, a little bit of a, a a canyon between us. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, all right. I absolutely loved it. it. Is it dumb? Absolutely. Is it campy? Absolutely. Does you know? Does it not necessarily flow you know end end on a plot? Absolutely. But I had more just legitimate laugh out loud moments watching this ninety minute movie. The same that I've had watching, you know, Tropic Thunder. The yeah. same that I have watching The Hangover. And I know those are much more sophisticated comedies as you would expect things to be these days. But there were just as many. And and, and it was so dumb. But I literally would laugh out loud every five or six minutes because something yeah. was so dumb. And you know what? That's what I want out of a comedy. I, well, I, yeah. Well, and so I think that's, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, you and your wife watch it together. Yeah. So... Um, you had somebody there and you were laughing. I watched it by myself on a quarantine afternoon at like one in the afternoon. Yeah. And, um, so it's to this is totally a dude's movie yeah. and it's totally a great movie to watch like with somebody else. If you can, so you can laugh together, yeah. like uh, watching it by myself, I think probably, um, was, was not the right way to, to handle this one because it's, it's just, okay. I'm wa maybe that's why Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. Cause like, maybe he should have had another dude in there watching it with him. Where was Siskel? Uh, he was probably, um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I, no, and I think you might be right, because, you know, there's certain movies that I want to watch by myself because I would just want to get engrossed in it, and I don't want somebody asking questions. I want to just, you know, I want to interpret it in mm -hmm. my way, and I enjoy it more if I watch it by myself. There's other movies that, to your point, if you watch by yourself, you might not enjoy as much, especially something like this where, you know, you can miss something and you're not missing a lot. Right, correct. But, you know, where it, it, it's just kind of slapstick funny, but I was actually pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I was, you know, um, I, I, I I actually really enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I'm quite ready for, for PA2 yet. Yeah. That's how we would say it today, I think. Yeah, right, right. PA2. But, uh, but um, no, I mean, and... I love the economics of it being 90 minutes. I do too. I do I do love those um 80s early 90s comedies where you, it was it was 90 95 100 minutes tight tidy funny we're not wasting a lot of time. We don't need character development. Let's just throw the laughs out there. Yeah, and and even in, even in some of the comedies that I talked about, you know, that have been coming to some of my favorite more recent ones, is it's like you sometimes you still kind of have to think a little bit. Like like mm -hmm. hey, by the end of the hangover, I forgot about the bachelor. Yeah, 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 it's like yeah. I, I like forgot he was even in the movie until they found him again. Right, you know, and then you know, like there's other movies where you're like, "This is the end" is like another one of my favorite more recent comedies. Oh, yeah, um, but you kind of have to like, oh, what's going on? Why, what's happening here? Right, you do not have to waste one ounce of energy thinking during police pure, academy. Pure mindless entertainment. Pure mindless <laughs> entertainment, and you will chuckle. Mm -hmm. you know, you'll get a laugh or two, um, and and it's just you know, it's it's. I enjoyed it a lot more than I've enjoyed some of the other older comedies that we've done. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, I, I get that. It's culturally important because this was so big at that time. Yeah. Right? At, that, at that time, like this was, again, this was a top five movie in America and globally. Um, so I, I expected to like it a little bit more than I did on rewatch. Um, but as I've said many times, comedies are, are the hardest thing to create and have them hold up 20 25, 30 years oh, later. And uh, so that's a hard, hard, hard ask. But there's still an awful lot of funny in this. And there's an awful lot of silly in this. And, um, you know. Now, one thing I want to go – I've got a couple of notes before we get into final wrapping this up. Right. One of the things I want to hit on is the uh, score, the, the soundtrack. Yeah. It was composed by a guy named Robert Folk. And uh, he went to Juilliard. And he composed, you know, a lot of sequels. Um, but he did do Bachelor Party. But, but you know, he did – he did Can't Buy Me Love. He did Booty Call, um, but a lot of sequel stuff. He like Splash 2, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and all this stuff. But I got it. I, I, I'm starting to watch it, and I was really getting excited because I heard that theme song. And I'm like, oh, yes, I have not heard this in forever, yes. forever. And then I was like, but I felt like that, like, this is this, you know, important piece of music or whatever. Um, 
But then it just plays nonstop over throughout the whole movie. It, it takes us it takes me back to our first podcast with Cape Fear and the da da da. Yeah, right. Just right. over and over and over. No, I felt the same way when when I heard it for the first time. I got kind of the same chills I get get when I hear the Rocky music. Yeah, right. But like fifteen minutes in the movie, I'm like, please stop. You've heard it eight times. You're like, oh, <laughs> please stop for now. Crying out loud, man. <laughs> Not again. I don't want to be dreaming about this tonight. Um, you know, the other one, the other the other quick note I have here that, that's just kind of silly, but. Um, back to George Gaines, Commandant Lassard. As I was looking through his filmography, he did a TV movie called Song of the Succubus. Succubus. I want to see that. I just like saying succubus. Succubus is fun to say. <laughs> like, Song of the Succubus. Yeah. Uh, and, and he, I mean, once again, I, I think there's some outstanding performances in this one. Um I mean, they're, they're silly. And we didn't talk about, and I, this is probably maybe the third most iconic scene in the whole movie that people would remember. We, you know, we talked about Hooks and how quiet she was mm-hmm. and timid. And then the one scene in the riot where she actually, like, I forget what she yeah. says, but she, like, actually raises her voices and, yeah. you know, freeze, dart bag or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's a pretty iconic um, movie, yeah. too. Now, what I would love to go back is and watch the original movie trailer for this one. Me, too. Yeah. And, we should have watched that. Yeah, and, and see what they, uh, how they were promoting this movie. But, uh, I mean, would you watch it again anytime soon? I don't need to watch it anytime soon. Yeah. I would watch it again. Or maybe I would watch it. Maybe, like, if, if, if this – we've talked about watching a movie together because we always do our, our watching independently. Um, this would be fun to watch with other dudes, you know, other people. I would do that. But otherwise, I'm, I'm good for a while. Yeah, this, this to me, I, I think when I might see myself watching this again, I don't know if I'm going to actually sit down right. and dedicate myself. But if, like, you know, we were hanging out outside one night, you know, we're getting in the summertime, and hopefully, you know, we can start, um, you know, spending more time with our friends and family, and you just kind of want to have something going on in the background and mm-hmm. just put it on in the background, I think it might be kind of one of those, um, you know, uh, mosquitoes to the light. Type yeah, of things yeah, yeah, where yeah. Next thing yeah. you know, everybody's watching it, or maybe they're not. But you know, I think it's kind of one of those where if you know a bunch of people were having fun and it was on, and everybody was kind of like started tuning in and got the same laughs out of it, I think it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yep. So final grades. I'm gonna let you go first on this one. I'm a C. 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 I'm gonna give it a B. I was leaning towards B plus, but I think I'm gonna stay with a B okay. just because of the ending, because the yeah. riot scene was pretty. Pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. Pretty bad. Pretty, 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 you know, I mean, the whole movie was dumb, but the riot scene was kind of, you know, kind of uh, jumping the shark yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Now, though, I will say this, and, and I don't know, would you consider this a, a, a true satire comedy or just a comedy? I think it's just a comedy. I really don't, yeah. I, I think Ebert's right when he says, what are they trying to satire, right? Like airplane. trying to satire no. anything. Like airplane was was satirizing all of like the airport movies and the the right. airplane you know hijack movies. This is just a silly comedy. Yeah, it's a silly. It's 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 just it's that whole kind of formula you know like the other movies that we've talked about because that same formula was used over and over again in the eighties, but just in a different setting. Yeah, that's right. You know, and this, so this was the setting that happened in the police academy. Mm-hmm. You know, you had your kind of. Uh, you had your guy that was kind of the smart alecky guy that you know didn't mm-hmm. want to be a part of the system. That was kind of the rebel. You had the you know the love interest. You had his like you know you know his couple friends that were different interesting characters. You had definitely had you know different levels of antagonist. You know, so I, I think it's a formula piece. Um, but yeah, I, I really wouldn't consider it a satire. I don't Mm-mm. think they they don't mock the police academy right, or right. mock police. It's just that's the setting. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I, I would give it a B, and, and mainly, like I said, I, you know, it, I know it's a dumb movie, it's a silly movie, but it made me laugh. Yeah. And, hey, that that that's, that's why that's, that's why I watch that's comedy. It. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah mine exactly. Was so, all right. So, do you have anything else on this one? No, no, no. I mean, maybe we should. You know, uh, season two's wrapping up a, a little bit. Um, it's been an interesting season because you know at different points in the season you hear us talking about you know summer plans and spring break trips mm-hmm. and March Madness and a, and, a, and a lot of things that we you know just simply won't get to experience this year, but um, you know just hoping that everybody's staying safe. Um, we do um, we have to do our year end mm-hmm. finale where the Oscars did get in before yep. all this happened, so yep. we will. Uh, bring Elizabeth and Jill back, probably. Uh, I don't know yeah, if we did yeah, that last yeah, year. Or yeah, we can do that. Finale. Yeah, that thing, that's fun. Um, and see who won all the bets um, from the Oscar podcast. Um, 
Uh, we'll do whatever else we uh, review at the end of the season. And, of course, um, uh, no promises. But, you know, we, we did in season one with a special bonus episode. And uh, we, we might be able to fit that I in, think, too. I think – what else are we doing? <laughs> what else are we doing? We could do, like we, – we literally have time to do four more podcasts today. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Because <laughs> I mean, we, we ain't got nothing else We're to do. We're not going anywhere. To go. <laughs> nah, we got food. We got drinks. We got sunshine. Yeah, we got a nice day we here. We got wood for the fire tonight. We're, you know, we got our social distancing happening, you know, ain't nothing else going on. That's it. That's it, man. That's so, it. well, thanks for listening, guys. Check us out uh, on all the social media platforms. We've gotten some great listens in March and April, and hopefully um, if you're at home and not doing anything, checking out our podcast and sharing it with your friends and, and that kind of thing. But we hope everybody's safe. We hope everybody is um, just enduring this uh uh, quarantine pandemic situation and hopefully we'll all be out soon and we can all um, you know do some fun stuff we you know the Kentucky Derby is supposed to be two weeks from today they've moved it to September we hope we can have it here in Louisville in September yeah typically today and, and those of you that aren't familiar with the Kentucky Derby today is what would usually be thunder over Louisville yeah which, which is, is the kickoff to the Kentucky Derby festival I, I think it's the biggest fireworks show in North America biggest, right yeah there's an air show all day downtown and you know we're not you know Chicago downtown but it's you know a decent size downtown um we of course we have the ohio river they you know have airplanes come in do an air show all day and then at night they bring in two barges and when they shut down the um the non-interstate bridge and shoot fireworks off of it so yeah it's you know almost a million people if it's you know nice outside yeah it's so today would have been a brilliant day for it wonderful day for thunder over louisville not happening until later in the year same with derby Uh, you know it, it is what it is um, our uh, shipment um, of Is That Movie Still Good Masks should be arriving any day yeah, now. Right. <laughs> um, we'll get those out to you. Yeah. Um, please no questions about the accuracy <laughs> of that statement. <laughs> um, or, or, or the safety and effectiveness of the mask. <laughs> true that. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, seriously, seriously, I think everybody's doing a good job with everything that's going on. Um, so, hey, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. It sounds good. See you. Bye.